guess, after that. Another week gone by in this crazy world. This is episode 59 of FI Goes PC. As always, I am your host, Rebel Zen, a.k.a. Danny Hale. And with me, as always, is our producer, Winifred Mutt. Say hello. Hello, everyone. You're holding a mic today. I am You've holding up, a mic. Up in, up in style. You look like a professional. I'm the odd one out. You could say it's a, <laughs> it's a small jazz singer with a massive afro, because that's what it looks like. I am here, not only with our producer. No, no, no. No, we are here due to the popular demands and the comments we never get with our very, very near and dearest friend, the Unicorn Slayer. Pete, say hello. Hello. I think I only come on now just for the ego boost I know. that I get from your introductions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I had my fingers crossed the whole time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but we're not just here with the Unicorn Slayer. No, no, no. No, we are here with a very important person to all of our lives. She's massively intellectual, more so than I am. Uh, it's not difficult. We've talked about her in the past in good light, never in negative light, have we? Well, she hasn't listened to all of them, so yes, we can say that. Well, I was going to say is because the sun was coming through the window, it yeah. was never negative light, it was just pure sunshine. Okay, so we are here with Jess, and we'll talk all about Jess and what, what Jessica, Jessica, I can call her Jessica, can I call her Jessica? Or Jess? You can call me either, Jessica. Either or. Okay, but we've got a bit of history, all of us. Old friends, we're actually here sat in our second home, aren't we, Pete? We are indeed. At the Bristol Pair. Bristol Pair again. Again. So a lot more somber because there's no lights on this time. Was there lights on last time? I can't remember. I don't think so. We did it earlier in the day last we time. We did though. do it earlier and in the day. And it's a lot quieter it is. than last time. It is, yeah. yeah. We've killed a lot of people to have this <laughs> state of silence. But no, we're in a Bristol Pair in Sally Oak, Birmingham. If you are ever in the area, come in and say hello. I'm sure you'll see Pete here. He's practically the mayor yeah. of Sally Oak at this he's point. He's a feature. He is a feature. <laughs> he's, got his, he's got his own bench park and everything. It's I've been park a lot work, bench so. park? Bench, bench park. park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Park bench? No, no, no. It's a, it's a park full of benches. It's I, very confusing. I, I set the bench park for this yeah. place. Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is true. It's true. His name's all over it. So. Anyway, Jess, let's, let's talk about you. Because we've talked about you in the past. This sounds fascinating because I think I need to go back and re-listen to episodes where I feature. Where you I've feature. listened in a patchy way, so... She's currently kind of staring at me wondering <laughs> what I've said about what her. What on earth have I let myself into? But go for it, okay? Well, just to set everything up, right now, have you complete, completed your PhD now? Mm -hmm. So are you now working as a lecturer or... I assistant? am, technically. Yeah. Uh, I finished my PhD last year, and since then I've been teaching at university in English literature. There yes. you go. So, so we have a real-life doctor on the show. <laughs> yeah, we have a real-life doctor, not a fake <laughs> make-believe doctor. doctor no, or... Just don't ask me anything life-saving. I yeah, won't be able no. to help me. If you need help analysing a poem, I'm your person. Other yeah. than that, absolutely not. But it's cool because you've got a bit of a bond with our producer, who's also a literature student exactly, as well. Exactly, yes. And teacher. Yeah. We've had conversations about waiting for Godot before yes. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. If you don't know that, folks, it's a play. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Which you should definitely go mm -hmm. and look up. Definitely. Well, it was made famous recently with uh, Patrick Stewart and McKellen doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think even more recently, someone else famous is doing it, but I can't quite remember who. Could be Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones. I'd and love Nick to see that. Yeah. yeah. I think bring a whole new tone to it. Be very, well, it'd be a very Cockney tone. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, be a we, bit more aggro than usual. <laughs> you can set it in empty East End pub. Be a lot faster with more violence and yeah. someone's <laughs> head gets slammed in a door at the end of it. I don't know. Uh, if you don't know who Vinnie Jones is, uh, 
he's the best footballer player in the world. Uh, never well, yeah, he's not very any. international, though, is he? I mean, some people in America will have seen him in very B-rated movies. Road if you've trip. seen Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, you'll know him. Uh, he's been in yeah. uh, the X-Men film. No, sorry, not Road Trip, Euro Trip. Yeah. He's in Euro Trip when they meet that, the, uh, the hooligans. That's right, it wouldn't yeah. have been Road Trip. It would have been a bit odd yeah. to have a <laughs> standard Cockney just turn up. <laughs> no, he was in the uh, X-Men, the original trilogy. Oh, he was, he, wasn't he? Yeah. Juggernaut. Juggernaut. He exactly, was Juggernaut. with the best line in film ever. <laughs> oh, I'm a Juggernaut. <laughs> and uh, it's just to remind you that he was actually playing a Juggernaut. What a great script. That would have sold. That, that should have been quoted on a WGA wall. We've seen Liz's uh, whole thing. I'll tell Jess this, because in America, the Writers Guild of America, they mm -hmm. have a headquarters. And I have all these quotes from scripts trying to be elite, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's stuff like, and he took my dog for a walk, dot, dot, dot. And he's just like... The most unquotable quotes yeah. ever. One I think was, <laughs> one I think was, I'm not then. sure who put them. Which <laughs> well, exactly. That is a very quotable quote. It is quote. a very quotable quote. It's also T-shirt and a mug. Where's my car? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, it's probably quoted from Titanic though, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's a... It's an idea that really No, he was about to say it, then he slipped under the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And she could have said, then there's plenty of room for two on Well, that. I always wanted to, at the time of Titanic release, and this is just a massive tangent, but at the time of Titanic release, and they did state in Hollywood that they'd do a sequel if the movie did well, which was a big joke, obviously. <laughs> but I would have loved to have seen that sequel. It would have been great. Imagine. Well, my, my, my granddad back in the day was always saying, it's going to sink, it's going to sink, the Titanic's going to sink. And then he got thrown out of the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. Well, I see. I recently, uh, talking about random stuff, but linking off the Titanic thing, I recently listened to another podcast doing my research, and they were talking about the Titanic's a conspiracy theory because there was a novel written in the 1800s that basically set it all up called The Titan, which is about a big boat called The Titan, right? Mm. I'm glad Jess knows this because... <laughs> She's have heard of it. That, that, that's cool. I'm validating. It rings a bell. Right, right, yeah. right. So 1823 or something, this book was written, and it's, it's basically what happened in the Titanic. Um, but Leo DiCaprio lives at the end of that book. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and he wasn't even a thing back in 1823. He's not that old. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Maybe it was a psychic wrote it. I don't know. Not like Keanu Reeves, who's obviously immortal. Oh, he's, you know, yeah. there can only be one and it's him. But they actually made the anchor for the Titanic. Um, Out of cheese, yeah. Around where <laughs> we used to live. I know, yeah. It was in Netherton. Well, there's three things about the Titanic. This is amazing tangent. We're now talking about a boat. We're on the Titanic. Why yeah, not? we are. But the, uh, well, we're not, thank God. Um, the cops are just driven past, though, so that's good. Um, the Titanic in the film, not in real context, because no one was walking around with a camera. We don't have a kind of footage from the event itself but we have the film um and in the film there's one line where the guy is proudly saying that ten thousand irish hands made the boat yep. for me i would have got off at that point <laughs> i'd have been like you what Ten thousand irish hands made this boat not people just the hands you know finger painted the thing is the irish aren't known for their boat making skills just no saying. they're not no nah, just saying so. But it was it was made in Ireland, but the, the anchor was made in Netherton. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that because the iron casting. It's still got a um, a little uh, statue to it How's in it? Netherton. Yeah, yeah. Well, if just... you go to Belfast, they have a museum dedicated to the building of the Titanic and things. Mm -hmm. Well, in America, Missouri, they mm. actually have a museum 
which has nothing to do with the history of Titanic, apart from the fact that some rich American dude has bought up loads of memorabilia and put it in this oh. scale You have just Titanic reminded me of when I went to Florida. There you go. And again, nothing to do with the Titanic, but they have the Titanic Museum. Now, uh, another one. Yes. <laughs> American needs a lot of these museums. They have the second steering wheel. Right. From the Titanic. Well, the one that didn't the make the cut. The one that could have avoided the yeah. attack. Yeah. So oh, yeah. that's, that's brilliant. So this <laughs> is a positive one. Both myself and Jess both own a piece of coal off the Titanic. We do, yes. An actual verified <laughs> is it piece haunted? of coal. <laughs> is it haunted coal? You should carbon date It was that. definitely cut. <laughs> I wonder why Kate Winslet was, was running around the house recently, you know. Yeah, well, that's because I gave her your address, and you're a very famous celebrity. But I, I was going to say, like, about the Titanic in Missouri, the only reason I know this is because it was on Ghost Hunters. And they were saying this is a super haunted place because they had life jackets and stuff from people who had died, so obviously they mm. worked real well. Um, but, but it's just one of these things, man. Like, I'm just... Wynn's worried about the edit now. Uh, what, what about? No, no, you shouldn't. People did die yeah, on it. It's not fiction. You don't have to worry about the political correctness of people dying on Titanic. They definitely did. Uh, it was very cold as well in that water. I can't prove it, man. They're all skeletons and floating now. So, uh, could you imagine being a fisherman in New York and you suddenly tag like a kid and just bring, bring up this kid from the Titanic and you're like, oh, that, that's not a car. It's weird. Do they normally fish for cars in New York? Carp. Oh, carp. Carp. Right. I don't think carp see fish, but anyway, I don't care. Well, you we were say something, in, uh, We were in Stock... Peter and I were in Stockholm a couple of years ago, mm. and there we went to a fascinating museum where they had a ship that had sunk in the 1600s. It's the Vasa. Right. Yeah, I the think Vasa that's museum. right. It sunk in the 1500s just as it was setting sail from Stockholm and had been risen from the depths. Yeah. And the fascinating thing was, I think, because of the salt water, it had been so well preserved that yeah. in the middle of this uh, museum, you had the actual ship. It was the, it was the, it was yeah. the entire thing. That's you literally couldn't walk, walk onto yeah. it, unfortunately, wow. but you could walk around it. It literally got about 100 metres, didn't it, before it sank? And it is that, so is well that how they led them to invent the uh, refrigerator from that experience? <laughs> because we had the similar thing here, the Mary Rose, which is a Tudor. Yes, we um, did. Galleon. Yeah. And I'd, so like, I'd like to say that was well preserved. <laughs> but it's basically uh, mm. not. Uh, it's half chewed up and barnacles. And I think they were trying to restore it when I went, which I was probably 16 yeah. at the time. So that's probably got a lot further. I think, I think it's gone through more restoration since then. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, yeah, like uh, a lot more, I'd imagine. But refrigeration actually was um, Walter Raleigh's invention, if you believe the history books. <laughs> yeah, what because, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He was on. He was on a trip with a chicken. Right. And um, the chicken <laughs> was the chicken was starting to go off. Okay. Um, and it was during the snow, so he got out, scooped a load of snow into the chicken, and it kept it cold and refrigerated. That's intriguing. Does it come from a Grimm's fairy story? It might, and I could be very wrong about this, <laughs> but I think there is a Grimm's fairy tale in which there is a contest of uh, bring something back to court that has never been seen before, and somebody finds a fruit from the Arctic or the Antarctic, and what they do is bring it back in an iceberg. They tow it alongside uh, the boat in an iceberg, right in the centre of it, and of course, as they get into warmer waters, the iceberg thaws, but by the time they get to court, the iceberg has thawed so much that there's just this little sort of 
and nutshell around the fruit, and that's how they've preserved it all the way back home. I could be so wrong about this. Yeah, yeah. I think could, there I mean, might it's... be a Grimm's fairy story about the, that idea of preserving through ice from way back whenever the Grimm's fairy tales were written, which I should know when they were written. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not my area of expertise. Well, the Grimm's fairy tales are completely different to the fairy tales we have now. They are. They it's are also, very dark. It's mm. also the basis of a lot of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's almost like if Disney ever wanted to do a dark line, Mm-hmm. They could go back to the truth. It's been sanitised so much. Yeah, <laughs> Cinderella, the ugly sisters, uh, cut the bunions off their feet to yeah. try and make their... Danced uh, on hot shoes. When yeah. uh, when they got proved to be liars, They, I think they were made to dance they were, on yeah. shoes made of red hot For the rest metal. of their life, I believe. Yeah, yeah, very sort of ancient Greek sort of punishment, Tartarus kind of idea. Basically... Not uh, PG then. Well, <laughs> Definitely not. It's kind of, but it's interesting because it was used even back then as uh, children's stories. Mm-hmm. So you, it just shows you how desensitized yeah. kids were back then. <laughs> um, you know, uh, which explains public executions and the such, yeah. uh, which used to be uh, the equivalent of a circus, didn't it? <laughs> oh, someone's getting hung tonight. Oh, brilliant, I'll bring the popcorn. You know, exactly, kind of yeah. But, it's um, true. It is true. Completely it's very, true. Very, very true. Uh, we've gone on a massive tangent about boat sinking and uh, refrigerator. Oh, I don't invention. even know where we started now. <laughs> it, well, it doesn't what did we, we go start. from a tangent from? Does, um, um, nothing of relevance. Really? We're still in the introduction phase. <laughs> so we're basically, as you can see, it's quite good because Jess is here. She's actually a very good fact checker, and I, I appreciate that you're here. But a bit of background. Pete and you uh, are old buddies. Uh, we've talked about that in the past. We wanted to get you on this actually a few times to talk about literature. I think we're going to bridge into some things like that. I do like the fact that we can just talk nonsense and you can correct us in a literature <laughs> stance. So that's pretty good. We'll probably do that. Um, I think what we'll start bridging on is if the Broadway and West End get bored of ideas, we've now given you three excellent musical ideas. One is Titanic, the sequel. Um, starts off with a fisherman in the classic Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie and he's fishing and then the lion gets oh man it's pulling real hard and he pulls out six people grabbing each other that are barely alive and then pulls them on the surface that's how it starts a musical I think I'm just setting real hard I see what he did there yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. real real hard Um, we could also do the grim tales uh, done right so we'd basically all be locked away uh, in a (laughs) Saying asylum for many moons if we did that. And uh, your trip to uh, Stockholm, I actually wanted to put this out there. Stockholm, good nightlife, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a different it's kind of vibe, isn't it? Different kind of nightlife uh, in Scandinavia. It's more. Well, we, we found a cracking rock bar, didn't we? Well, you we would live did. music and would it be like black metal kind of death metal or was it just pure? Not quite. It wasn't. It wasn't the kind of finish. I think is right. the, the proper death metal. Place. Norway, Norway, and Norway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but no, yeah. no, it was, it, it was just a cracking rock bar, and you know the band came on at like twelve o'clock at night. Yeah, <laughs> sounds right. That's going, about going on till actually whenever. outside of England. Uh, classically in Hong Kong, that was just starting headline until yeah, yeah. midnight. Probably because we're all Satanists and we hail, hail the Dark Lords. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. I always thought a good business venture in Stockholm was to start a nightclub and call it Syndrome. <laughs> Don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. I appreciate that. just play news. <laughs> well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Anyway, yeah. we're moving on. Um, so, 
Is that good? So I win that. That, that. that was good. I'm just that gonna... wins. That wins. <laughs> I'm just going to get this out the way because we've got to talk about our sponsor and we're actually talking about surviving uh, shipwrecks. Anyone who's buying a luxury cruise, you're probably not on that right now. It's probably been cancelled for whatever reason. Um, but if you do find yourself on a luxury cruise anytime soon, make sure that uh, it's not called the Titanic. Uh, but you, wanna, you want new apparel for your summer holidays. And we're hoping that everyone gets a summer holiday. If not, we'll see you in the streets and we'll all try and build sandcastles on the road. I'm sure the government will love that. So if you're out there and you want to party like it's uh, 1990, uh, what's the Prince on? Nine. The prince. Yeah, Prince, you know. Symbol artist known informally as uh, Prince. Yeah. He's dead now. A lot of good people are dead. Anyway, <laughs> if you're partying like it's 1999, uh, or 1912 if or, it's Titanic. Or, or 1823 or uh, yeah. any other time or yeah. uh, of day. 1823 on the 24 hour clock. Um, <laughs> you want apparel. You want to be seen. You want to be different. You want to separate yourself from the crowd and you can do that. You can get your hoodies, your t-shirts and everything like that. If you go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. That is teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. We love them. They're going into phase two at the end of the year. We have them as a serious sponsor, very proud of that. And we also had them cater for all of season two. We still get people asking us all about that. Mm. Yeah, me, the voices in my head, Pete, and his voices in his head. And occasionally- <laughs> That is a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And occasionally people in the street. But you want to go there right now. Shop to the drop, summer's coming up. Before you know it, it'll be 25 degrees and a certain virus will be dead. Who knows? Uh, so there you go. Right, so we're going to move on. Literature. Mm. Okay. I'm, I mean, you know, I've got a background where I read books for the first 18 years of my life, and then I gave up and played video games. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because video games are crossing that section now where they're actually using classic literature as oh, a basis yeah. for stories. We've had <laughs> Call of Cthulhu, which um, he never called me. Uh, his big tentacle <laughs> monster. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a bad dude, Cthulhu. It sounds like your a bad date man. didn't go well, did it? <laughs> no, I mean it's you, you should never use dating sites, Pete, because you will meet some right freaks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I did use Match.com, uh, and of course, no one turned up because no one's allowed to see sporting uh, events right now. So. Oh, I thought that was just all for arsonists. I, I thought it was a betting site personally. I was very mm. confused when they asked me what gender I was, uh, so I said that <laughs> very confused. Why is that relevant? I don't know. I gave someone else's email too, so I never heard back. Um, <laughs> that's why I got all those yes, emails. Yeah. Well, Cthulhu. Yeah, so that's a game now. Sherlock Holmes, been in a numerous amount of games and e. anime series and everything else. Love, everyone loves a Sherlock Holmes story. Uh, it also invented the game Clue, Doe. And if you're in America, it's Clue. Because the Doe just sounds like it's a ninja technique. <laughs> Clue, Doe. Anyway. Uh, rubbishest game in the world. If you are basing any investigation skills on Cluedo, give up now. Um, <laughs> because real crime isn't solved by which rumor candle sticks in out of several <laughs> suspects that are conveniently still there. And you just do a process of them. Anyway, I've ruined that game. So there's a lot of stuff. The one that I wanted to draw attention to is The Witcher. Mm. Okay. Because that's relevant. Have you seen a Netflix series? I have. I have not read the books or watched uh, or played the video game, but it was actually part of a university seminar that I did recently about the idea of literature that transcends literature into being media events. Yep. 
and how certain types of literature become media events, meaning that they are subject to parody, interpretation, that they transcend uh, media in the sense of genre. They, be, they start as texts and then they become uh, film versions or video games, things Based like that. So stuff, yeah. Witcher was actually one of the ones that I used as an example of that in our modern day. It's well, cool. it's, it's, that is cool because it's an interesting thing. We talked about this a while ago with Shaq, actually, because he's big into the game series, revolutionized kind of how people look at how you can base stories into a video game. And mm. it's a Polish team that created a video game. Yeah. Um, but basically, the books is a big series of books. Um, I think probably seven in total. I can't remember entirely. Can't pronounce the author's name. It's very Polish. I'm going to apologize that for anyone listening in Poland right now. But what I think is insanely um, important about it is how successful this has been for a Polish author and also what's transpired from that. There's not a lot of things you can say come out of Poland that have had such an impact. Well, I mean, Jess, you'd know. Is there anything massively you know, mainstream from a Polish author at all? From in terms of Polish author, uh, the difference between something that maybe takes off globally and has the mm. kind of global traction that something like The Witcher does versus the idea of just being, uh, not just being, but being Polish, you mm. have amazing Polish texts or texts based uh, in Poland, especially after the Second World War. What The Witcher has uh, maybe less to do necessarily with the nationality of the author, but yeah. more so to do with the genre in which they're mm. working in is this idea of uh, if you look at any big book that has really gotten any sense of traction over the last, uh, I want to say, 10, 20 years, but it goes hand in hand with the rise of the internet, uh, what the writer of The Witcher did is create a fantasy uh, fantasy world building. There's a yeah. difference between writing a standalone novel and writing a novel that can be turned into a trilogy or be turned into a series but it's got to very much be based in that fantasy genre because with the idea of fantasy, like Harry Potter, like Twilight, the moment Game of Thrones, Game the of Bible. Thrones, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I asked my, I posed this question to my students recently: of Can you have a media event around a book which is written in any other genre? I said uh, we pulled out many examples, like Game of Thrones, like The Witcher, like Twilight, mm -hmm. like Harry Potter. And we said, interestingly, one of the few things that these books actually have in common with each other is the idea of genre of fantasy sci-fi. Why is it that these books have a media event around them rather than just being uh, a book in and of itself? Why is it that you get theme parks, you get parodies, yeah, yeah. all the rest of it? It's the idea of fantasy. Of if you have a fantasy genre, if you have a book based in fantasy world, that gives your readers the scope for their own interpretation. Well, it's also it's mm -hmm. also an important thing because it's generational. Like if you go, if you turn back the clocks many moons ago, fantasy is always like since Tolkien really made it super mainstream. I think we talked about the Grimm novels in the sense that yeah. was yeah. once mainstream, way beyond our timeline. But when I go back to teenage years, it was a huge thing. You had a lot of Steve Jackson and Livingstone game books. Mm. You had, um, which is the World Titan, and it was like literally about mm. 150 Terry light novels. Was, Terry Pratchett yeah. came out um, mm. sort of late 80s, sort of really hit a stride. Then Neil Gaiman, or Gaiman, yeah. depending on Even, how you want um, to say it. Red Dwarf. Um, yeah, Doug Red Dwarf. Well, Douglas Adams Douglas was Adams, coming out. Yeah. You, you know, so you've had a lot of... Guide. Right, but in, yeah. in I think sort of 
really early to mid 90s, it was a huge boom, mm -hmm. huge boom, big enough to kind of uh, nod to Nottingham, actually, big enough to, because uh, that's, your, that's your stomping grounds. Jess, <laughs> Jess's stomping grounds. Well, Nottingham's always had a link with fantasy, obviously, Robin Hood. Uh, oh, yeah. Games the, Workshop. Exactly, that's what I was Nottingham. saying. The Games Workshop back in mid 90s was colossal a huge juggernaut. Now it's kind of disbanded, but it's doing well in video games now. So that's interesting. But what I think is the generational thing that we haven't had for many moons is that Game of Thrones, I think, did what Tolkien did for an older age bracket, for an older demographic. It became kind of like an adult book as opposed to a young adult's genre. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, um, but I think that The Witcher crosses both in a very different way because The Witcher is also very Sherlock Holmesy because the main character is basically the police in that world, strangely, because he's investigating and he's also got like a moral compass, having no emotions due to mutagens. If you've played a game, it's easy accessible and you get all the content of the books throughout the game, which is quite cool, but it is their own interpretation. When Netflix released the Superman stars as Henry Cavill stars as Geralt, <laughs> series. Um, they wanted to be closer to the novel, you see. Yeah, yeah. But he's a huge, massive fan. Superman is a massive fan of the video games of which. Have you met Superman? Um, only when I uh, put the sign out at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Batman sign, but you know, different. Super. Yeah. yeah. But he's still <laughs> not invented fridges. The mm, fortress of right, solitude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Crystal yeah. fridge technology uh, from Krypton. Uh, which is actually... I did. I thought that was a rumour. No, 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 no. It was, it, it's more than a rumour. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's in the Antarctic. Lots of things happen in the Antarctic. Um, it's basically the coldest place for ants on the planet. Um, and we've got a friend called Ant, and he likes to go there. So it's the Arctic for the ants. I don't know if you can hear that on the podcast, but I have just facepalmed at that yes, joke. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> So thank you for that. You, you are fully welcome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it was a good series. I feel like, it, I think it was eight episodes, which I think rushed a lot of stuff. They did something quite quirky with it. Not the CGI. We've all seen that before. Um, CGI monsters uh, getting overdone. Just get real <laughs> monsters. There's lots of them around. Uh, just go to Area 51 in Nevada. You'll find a lot of them. Uh, no, they tried that last year, didn't they? Well, Donald Trump's uh, the invasion two, Don Donald Trump's yeah. toupee collection with Jim Henson working a bit of technology would be amazing. Mm. You just have the attack of the furry gingers. It'd be great. Don't you think? I can think of worse things. Yeah. That's actually a great B movie, Attack of the Furry Gingers. <laughs> But, um, Followed by Sharknado. Yeah, yeah Sharknado. It works I was just thinking yeah. because if you cross literature right now, there's been a lot of attempts to try and go back in time and sort of reapproach a lot of uh, topics. This source, like Me Too movement's done a lot of stuff. Rosa Parks mm. became a thing when, unfortunately, she passed away. You know, not not so long ago. Yeah. But it's been the spike in a kind of like a biography and um, a lot an attempt by Scorsese to reapproach the gangster genre with uh, with Netflix as well. What was that film called? I forget now. The um, yeah, no one's going to remember Scorsese's is, new movie. Uh, they did fascinating things with uh, time lapses time and CGI lapses. of yep. uh, Robert De Niro and yep. things appearing. I think it's mostly oh, physical yeah. makeup. What what is it I called? Actually, seen it. We watch. we started to watch it. We got about twenty minutes in mm. and forgot everything we were doing. It was kind of like the Irishman. The there Irishman. That's it. The yeah. Irishman. Frankly speaking, when your main guy is an Irish, it's hard to believe that. <laughs> Even in fiction. 
uh, Martin Scorsese, he did one of my favorite films, uh, Gangs of New York. Right. He resisted the rise of CGI and things like that when he made Gangs of New York because one of the producers apparently came on set and he had built the five points from scratch. Yep. He made it a physical film yep. set. Yep. And one of the producers came on set and looked around this amazing physical set that Scorsese had built and said, you do know that we can do this by CGI right now. You know, you know this, right? And apparently Scorsese turned around to him and said, yeah, moving on. Let's look <laughs> yeah. at this. Well, he's, he's look how good that film and turned that out. And that film is one of the best films. Yeah. It's one of my favorite well, films. It was back 2002, wasn't it? Something yeah, like that. I think so. Yeah, it's, it's Daniel Day-Lewis is the is, butcher yeah. in it. Yeah. And Leonardo um, DiCaprio, yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, he gets around. Once he'd survived a uh, chronic fatal. Once he survived the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. he comes back. He's yeah. in a New York gang. Yeah, That's yeah. literally the sequel. And then years later, he's working and again. The gang started. Yeah, <laughs> working again as in an asylum uh, on an island. Uh, that, that happens after that. Um, he's been around. He's been around. Uh, he's not departed yet. So well, good. don't forget, all of it was uh, <laughs> different, different layers of dreams, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Anyway, so Scorsese is the Irishman, and well, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, he's uh, <laughs> he's now a fable in mm -hmm. a sense. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I haven't. No, for me, my favorite Tarantino will always be a true romance, and yep. uh, anything that I've seen since I can appreciate is wonderful. But true romance will always be the epitome of Tarantino's directorial skills. I've well, he didn't seen, direct I've it. He didn't direct it. Tony didn't Scott. Tony Scott directed it. it. It's an interesting story, right? This yeah. is where I cross literature with Hollywood knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, film student and uh, literature student. This is the modern meeting of the minds here so basically <laughs> tarantino it. when he started out was a staff writer that's how he got into the industry and he wrote loads of episodes for like dramas and sitcoms and stuff then he had three scripts options mm. at the same time one of them was true romance which he wanted to direct but pushed the direction to tony scott who oh. is Tolkien famous and the brother of ridley and unfortunately passed away again recently a lot of people are dying yeah life but um it was really the kind of decision so he would do reservoir dogs mm -hmm. which he thought he couldn't see anyone else doing but him mm -hmm. and that was the start of tarantino's vibe he also sold killing zoe which is a tarantino script and i think something else but i think the third option was jackie brown which he ended mm. up doing himself mm. or four rooms which was a collaboration with robert rodriguez i'm not sure anyway it's very cool story because true romance i'm glad you mentioned that a lot of people have lost that in the ether that's a christian slater film it is. how much was tarantino involved in it i was always billed as it um, being a tarantino film how much was he involved in it or not kind of thing i think tarantino's involvement was script based but i think that uh, tony scott sat down and talked to him that's interesting because I've always felt it is, uh, I approached it because I do not know films that much. I've sure. seen obviously Tarantino films in the sense of my dad sits me down and watches a film and says it's a Tarantino film. I've always loved True Romance because it felt uh, different from the other ones I watched. Maybe that comes from the amount that Tarantino was involved in it and things. And I love the films that I know Tarantino has been a huge part of it part but of it. maybe his sort of uh, maybe uh, true romance feels different because of the different kind of involvement that he was feeling in it well i think it's a lot bigger i think it's a lot grander than uh what tarantino would usually do the construct is this um you can tell it's 
Tony Scott from editorial standpoint there's a lot of different stylistics in the cinematography of it but it's a lot bigger it's a lot grander mm -hmm. if you think of what Tarantino's base was when he started Reservoir Dogs yeah. it was kind of on par with Chris Nolan doing Memento it was basically you've got a very elaborate script and you've got to get that down to almost student level budget which in Hollywood is like three million dollars you know as opposed <laughs> to as opposed yeah. to what yeah. is a low budget film to us which is two quid and a pack of I skills technically speaking it's, <laughs> it's anything yeah. that's less than 30 million yeah that's a low budget film. Like, nowadays so, so nowadays. three million is like nano nowadays <laughs> but i think true romance because tarantino had earned um a sense of fame he, he actually wrote and directed an episode of er um with ewan mcgregor as the main mm. star in it that was kind of an yeah. entry point for him. Um, but Tarantino's creating buzz as a writer, obviously, his dialogue. Mm -hmm. If you're talking literature as far as Hollywood is concerned, Tarantino's reams apart. He's kind of like a scholar of film since 1950 onwards. Around the world, as as as, as a topic, it's it's quite incredible work. He for the did AFL, an yeah. amazing CSI episode. I think it's the original CSI. He did an amazing episode of CSI when one of the main characters is buried underground. It was written and directed by Tarantino, of which course, could have been does. a precursor to Kill Bill, right? Well, they the did. Uh, they had to pause it. I think it was 2007 when you had uh, the seven seven bombings in London. Yeah. They had mm. to pause the episode being shown here in the UK. But it was a very clever episode because it was much more psychological than mm. just uh, horror and things because you had one of your main characters buried underground and uh, the policeman watching their uh, colleague being buried underground and actually everything that the policemen were doing was counteractive to their colleague being able to survive. And Tarantino did a bit part in it where he plays the bomber kind of thing. Yeah. And so they had to delay it because of the idea of suicide yeah, bombing. Right. It was one of, because uh, I grew up on CSI. It was, <laughs> so, so before I got to the age where I realized how problematic CSI was in terms of forensics and yeah. police procedure. Yeah. Well, but before a, then, in terms of drama, yeah, it, as, was as a great, yeah. see, it was he, a wonderful episode in terms of entertainment. He his own things, doesn't he? There's He's always got like, a little cameo. Not always. In, Classically, yeah. I think in all the films he's directed, he's got a cameo. Not in, um, not in Once Upon a Time, he isn't. And not in uh, Inglorious Bastards, he wasn't. And Which not they've in just released on Netflix. Django I'm looking forward well. to yeah. mm. rewatching. But like, I was he gonna, is in Django. Is he in Django? Yeah, he's, um, he's one of the... Oh, um, the guys for the hood. Yeah, the, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. the KKK dudes. Uh, nod to them. Good that promotion. episode makes me think of Buried. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ryan Reynolds is one yeah. of the first films that convinced me that Ryan Reynolds, because I got introduced to Ryan Reynolds through rom-coms like The Proposal with Sandra Bullock <laughs> and things like that. And then I saw Buried. Buried is literally, have you guys seen it before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the oh, cinema. In the it is. Amazing. Have you seen no, it? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it is Ryan Reynolds. He's a contractor out in Iraq during the conflict and yeah. he gets kidnapped and buried underground. And the whole film, I think it's maybe yep. an hour one 20, scene. an hour 30, all one scene. is all him in a coffin underground. But Deadpool uh, could get was, out of that easily. <laughs> exactly, Deadpool. But this was years. <laughs> this was about 10 years. I'd like, no, maybe not eight years before Deadpool. Mm. This was Ryan Reynolds. I think there's always a mark of a good actor and it's not a mark that many actors get the chance to be able to show. Well, it was actually... Can they carry a film by themselves? Yeah. That film is entirely Ryan Reynolds. There yep. is no other actor in that Apart film. from voice on phones. The voice it, on it's the phone, but it's all yep. him in a coffin underground. 
that to me said he's a great actor to be able to literally carry yeah. a film by himself. Well, it, it was, was so theatrical as well. It was so claustrophobic. Mm. It yeah. was, and I, I know that I have a phobia when it comes to snakes and spiders. Oh, <laughs> Those show up. But the fear of just being mm-hmm. in that box kind of thing. Ryan Reynolds, way before he became a really big Hollywood sort of name kind of thing, he did this film. He did it fantastically. It's a great film. So do go and watch Buried. Yeah. And call me when you get nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, is actually it's cool that you pointed that out because that was a film that was essentially buried because at the time it was summer season and that came out sort of mid-season. It was an um, underground movement, wasn't it? It was an yeah. underground, yeah. yeah. Um, you have to dig it up to, to, yeah, to yeah. really ex- experience it. But um, Spanish director... Yeah, it was a right shot, wasn't it? It was. He, he The Spanish director probably has a background in theatre. I'll have to check that out. But the thing that that did was that was a catalyst that changed. At the time, Ryan Reynolds had just done sort of romantic comedies, spoof sitcoms and all this stuff, and the occasional nod to an action movie when he was in Wolverine, but we forget mm. that. Um, <laughs> the original Wade Wilson, yeah. which they completely destroyed. Yeah. Um, but basically, from that point on, people saw him as a serious actor. So it was quite a transition for his career, that film. But it is really worthwhile to point that out. There was actually a film called Lock with um, mm. our mate Tom Hardy, who, one of the Hardy boys, he, um, great series of novels, that is. Uh, he, it's a very <laughs> similar film where he's driving back. Yeah, he's driving back from, I think, a business conference and his wife gets kidnapped or something along the way in a car. So he has to drive from one side of the UK to the other whilst he's on the phone it's actually a really cool film as well in the same vein as buried if you go across kind of like the the top middle bit it'd take about two hours wouldn't it from one side of the uk to the other that's exactly the real time yeah. uh which is about a feature length right <laughs> it's not the same as doing america is it uh well america a two-hour drive is basically getting out of la in rush hour so yeah. yeah you know um but i think it's like what i was saying is it's kind of cool because like literature as a topic if you're talking about novels plays and stuff like that that's where we all leap to but it's funny to me how essentially the sort of postmodern construct of tarantino now compared to anything else in la right now that guy is literally literally on the same vibe as shakespeare i would say you could literally look at him in probably 150 years and say the same thing his dialogue and just the little things in his films are super amazing the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood film, to a lot of people, has come into a bit of um, sort of a hostile reaction, mostly <laughs> from Bruce Lee's uh, camp because he's got Bruce Lee features quite a lot in the story because yeah. it's basically the 70s in Hollywood and so it's the time of the Manson murders, Charles Manson. I watched it on the plane. Yeah, you did. On the way home. You did, you did. Yeah. Um, but basically the thing that was interesting for me is... My 12-year tenure in Hollywood going to and from, it's literally my story in my brain of what it was like in the 70s. Because there's so much stuff, if you actually live in that area, that's folklore based on reality. Charles Manson murders is one of those things. Loads of conspiracies based around that. And, and, you know, people are talking about it. Is Bruce Lee legit? That's a big conversation for a lot of people. Divides a lot of crowds in Hollywood. The Asian Americans want to see him as a hero, as an icon, believe that it's all legit. And Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, which is a film in the 90s, mm-hmm. Jason Scott Lee played him. 
that's got a lot of fantasy elements to it. Like he had a curse and he kept having these dreams where this big samurai tried to kill him, which is wrong culture. Hello, stupid America. <laughs> but the whole camp of Bruce Lee is just, they've lived off his proceeds, which is really depressing, you know, like because you think of Shannon Lee, she was a qualified martial artist. That's his daughter. Mm. Brandon Lee, I think arguably was better than his dad in every single way. Better actor, better martial artist. Just an amazing dude in Hollywood. Died too young right after The Crow, which is a great film too. And just to see how Once Upon a Time in Hollywood literally is like, I've been saying this to years to win, like, well, this must have happened and this must have happened. And it takes a parallel to what did happen and turns it into almost a superhero story. I won't ruin it for you, but Brad Pitt is basically Superman in it. <laughs> and, it's, and it's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> But they, cause there's only one Superman, and he plays Henry Cavill quite a lot. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. In films, yeah. yeah. I can imagine going to what you say about the idea of uh, what cinema is like at the moment. Uh, postmodernism is uh, very fundamentally, I don't maybe quite understand what postmodernism is, because yeah. we're still working it out, it's still ongoing. But when I'm explaining it to uh, first year university students, I say it's based on two principles puzzles and politics yeah and that is why a lot of postmodernist films is the idea of it is left up to the viewer to try and piece Figure together it all out. exactly that. that in yeah. a lot of tarantino films everything from pulp fiction to even in glorious mm. bastards it's yeah. giving you pieces of a puzzle and leaving the audience to put together what happens and even more importantly try and work out what they think will happen next postmodernist films anything like inception is a great example of it yep. never gives you an answer of what actually happens at the end of the story yeah yep. postmodern well, leaves you literally out the anything by david lynch <laughs> anything <laughs> by david lynch we're all there going what i still think the word postmodern is a bit of an oxymoron though it is it should be called modern post and that's fedex that it's easy. But it's just the future, isn't it? Postmodern. Yeah, yeah. That's just the future. Well, no, it's, it's once we're done with modern, what happens after that? Exactly. Yeah. The future. Once we're done with that. It is a misnomer because, unfortunately, I Dystopia. think someone who uh, Ooh, a misnomer, named sorry. <laughs> no, that's a great word, see? It's got intelligence around us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who's that, anyway, misnomer? Does she work here? No, she's one of my teachers right. back in school, yeah. <laughs> misnomer. No, my name. No, yeah. We've just killed them. Anyway, you were saying, so... <laughs> it's definitely a misnomer because it makes people think of modernism, but modernism is about the mind. Uh, postmodernism is not about the mind. It is about the exterior world in terms of the politics and the puzzles. There's great alliteration going on there to fix so, it. Kind of arguably, and this we're going to close down on this point because it is food for thought. We haven't mentioned it once in this podcast, but I think it's really good tying. Maybe... Everything we're seeing and hearing about this certain viral thing that's happening around the world could be considered postmodern. In terms because of up to people to None of us know how it's going to end. And none of us know what's going to happen. It might as well be a spinning top on a table. Mm -hmm. DiCaprio is told to look at camera two. And we have promoted <laughs> Leo DiCaprio something chronically today. What's funny is the degree of separation because we mentioned Chris Nolan briefly in Memento. Mm. He's obviously the director and the creator of Inception, starring DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. He got his big break mm. in the US from that film. Uh, didn't have Ryan Reynolds. He was buried in a scene, for sure. 
And on that note, we'll be back next week. Hopefully we can get Jess back on. We'll have a topic to discuss. I like the random banter of today. It's been pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But Jess, if you ever want to come back, we'd love to have you on. As and long as there's wine. Yeah, no, of course, of course. <laughs> you can edit that out. There's, so a, lot of, there's a lot of whining, but that's <laughs> just... You whining off. Yeah, yeah, and I was going to say, do, there's a lot I'm of so whining. I'm so much better if I have Echo Falls involved. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of whining because Pete... I don't know American TV shows, I'm afraid. <laughs> Was that Echo Falls after 90210? Uh, it's, um, no, it's basically uh, when they soundproofed the house. Oh, yeah. right. Me and you will have a discussion when this finishes. <laughs> I'll fill you in on 10 years of TV gold. So, when you said you got your tenure, I didn't think that's what you meant. If only I was paid. 10 years of TV gold. There you go. So, on that note, we'll be back this time, same place, same time. Maybe not the same place. Maybe somewhere else. Maybe Mars. Who knows? We well, just don't know. Depends what's locked. open. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> we could be doing it in a box in the middle of a field, which is where we usually live. Uh, with but, Ron Reynolds. With Ryan yes. Reynolds. Uh, we'll have I'm to dig so him up. <laughs> well, you know, the thing that they missed in Buried, just on a closing point, is that they should have released hashtag I dig Ryan Reynolds up. <laughs> right? On that note, C major. <laughs> See you all next week. Over to him for the wrap. Subscribe to FIA Gets Tubed on YouTube for access to all Project FIA episodes and extras. As you know, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Ask us questions and drop us your comments via email. Our address is projectfia.rebelrated at gmail.com. And of course, we are also on Twitter. Our handle is projectfia.rebelrated.